does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I promised this gentleman when I booked him on the show last night, mild takes only would be required. Nothing mild, though, about his business plan, because somehow he has gone, you know what? That corn that is around the field of dreams, we should make some alcohol with it. And that is the starter of the conversation with my buddy, Drew Storen, who joins us now. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Oh, Rake, I'm great. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. All right, so how, again, as as I've watched Field of Dreams far too many times to count and seen the major league games played at the new Field of Dreams complex, where does one kind of go, hmm, all that corn in the outfield, we should distill that. Where did that idea begin for you? That was a road trip with my best friend, uh, Andy Keller. So Andy and I would uh, hunt down some rare bourbons back in the day um, when I was playing in D.C., and we were just kind of spitballing different ideas and talking about different types of corn. That's when we kind of go, oh, what if we took the corn from the Field of Dreams movie site and put it into whiskey? (laughs) And, uh, you know, kind of a fun, you know, have a couple drinks with your buddies throughout the years and talk about it, and nobody ever said, yeah, that's never going to work. So, uh you know, pivot to when I retired, reached out to uh, people at the movie site, got in t- contact with the Ray family who takes care of the field. And they told me they sold that corn like any other corn. So I said I had a better idea. And uh, here we are. So you took a U-Haul. I'm reading from my buddy Matt Van Tryon's article from, from back in last August. You take a U-Haul from Indianapolis out to Dyersville, Iowa, and bring back corn here to Indianapolis. Is that correct? Yeah, so I uh, got a got a grain bin from a, a local farmer friend of mine uh, after he taught me about corn, and we put it on a U-Haul and uh, filled her up and took it back here and had our first barrel put down and then had some other juice made for a canned cocktail and uh, realized the corn's great for making whiskey. So uh, from then, we uh, took 36 semis and took the entire crop from the 2021 game, so almost 5 billion kernels, and uh, transported that up to Minnesota to be distilled. And obviously, the the marketing hook is pretty obvious to see. But at the end of the day, how good's the product? The product has to be good. Uh, that was something that I, I take a lot of pride in. I I always have said I know bourbon, so I'm putting my money where my mouth is. But um, in this first one, I wanted something that's extremely approachable. So if you're a whiskey fan or just a baseball fan that wants to get into whiskey, um, it's friendly, um, but it's it's a two-sided bourbon as well. So neat, it tastes uh, one way. It kind of hits for power, but then uh, I say you butter the corn <laughs> with one one little one little ice cube, and it opens up into a completely different animal. I tried to. You know, I try to get the taste similar to one of my favorite bottles in my collection, which is an old Four Roses 125. So I'm just taking all the fun things from my collection, whether it's a blue wax top from one of my favorite bottles. That's why we have a blue wax top and trying to mold it all into this fun story. All right. Drinkfieldofdreams.com is the website where you can kind of go to find out more. Uh, But obviously, as as product is now hitting the shelves, you're doing a lot of events uh, to let people know about product hitting the shelves. And you've got one coming up this week. Tell us about it. Yeah, so Big Red is opening a new store in Brownsburg. So uh, going back to the hometown again, we had a great signing there a couple weeks ago. Uh, and that's going to be four to five uh, on their new location off Highway 136. And so there's going to be a couple hundred bottles there. And hopefully it's uh, 
as crazy and fun as the last event where, you know, again, I love sitting down and talking to people and telling them that, hey, this is all the work that I've done. This is not me just being a mascot um, and really connecting, seeing how much it means to people. Um, it's been absolutely surreal to see the reception from people. And I, I mean, I, it's overwhelming, um, but I, I couldn't be happier about it. This is a great problem to have, but but it can be a problem. And, and that is once you've put your, your, your blood, sweat and tears, your life into being a professional athlete, once that ends, there is always the question, Okay, now what do I do? Um, so, so what what is the the rush of this like to getting a save to getting a big strikeout? Does this kind of fill what what, what that void might have been for you? It's certainly, um, you know, for me, design is a big passion of mine. So I get to do that, you know, kind of in the in the bullpen per se, right? And now it's to the point where two years in, I go out and I've I've thrown the pitch on the mound. And I don't, you know, now I lose control. I don't know. I'm not selling every bottle. And uh, it's kind of like you're watching the ball get hit around. And it's pretty amazing to see, you know, what, what has happened. It's I, I've been as biased as anybody in the belief in this concept, but I didn't know it was going to be this, this incredible of a reception. Have you gotten to the point now where you're thinking about, okay, what's next? Or are you still too knee-deep in this to worry about whatever the next project's going to be? It's a little bit of both. You know, it's it's kind of just like baseball, right? You take it a day at a time or any other cliche I want to roll out there, but at the same time, you always want to set that trajectory high. And, um, you know, that's something where in the months past, I've been really prepping for potential, okay, here's an avenue, here's an avenue. Um, anytime you can be proactive towards things versus reactive, that's that's going to really help grow this. And, uh, you know, it's an art. You know, it, we're very limited um, with with our numbering system, you know, we only have 22,860 bottles that are going to be spread across at least three or four states. So we're not talking, a, we're, it's a quarter of a Pappy Van Winkle run. So it's pretty thin, but, you know, we're, we're armed with production to double and triple as we move forward. And that's where we've heavily invested all of our money into putting a bunch of barrels down to make sure that we get this bottle into as many hands as possible, whether it's year one or year six. Sadly, you, you can't give a bottle to Ray Liotta at this point, but you can give one to Kevin Coster. You can give one to Timothy Busfeld, Amy Madigan, et cetera. Have you had any contact with like the people that are involved with the movie about getting this product in their hands? Yeah. So I, I've talked to Kevin Coster and his people, um, actually when I started this. So, uh, that's on my list to get one out to him. Um, and then I'm forgetting the actor's name, and I should know it that plays his father in the movie, but I had the chance to meet I can, him last I can, year. I can picture him. Is, is, it's not Frank Whaley. He plays uh, Moonlight Graham, but I, I, forgot, I forgot his yeah. dad's name, but I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yep. Yep. So I had a chance to meet him last year, and he's extremely uh, – Dwyer. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, and, and so he – I'm going to get him a bottle as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that's all a really important piece of it. Um, you know, get this – Get this in the hands of the people that are, you know, behind making this a real thing. Um, because, like I said, it's been a long journey. I've had an incredible amount of help from people in, of all angles to make this make this happen. It's been fun. Again, Drew Storr and our guest, Greg Rakestraw, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So, clearly, you're keeping yourself busy. Just how much baseball are you consuming these days? How much are you watching? Uh, I'll watch it with my, my oldest son is six. So he's, you know, he's real into baseball. So I love watching it with him and, and teaching him. And so we'll watch Tuck uh, and the Cubs, but of course you can't not watch the Reds at this point, um, <laughs> but I, I'm not catching their games as, as much as I plan to now. Well, all right. So um, your teammate returned one of your many teammates with the Reds returned last night, your thoughts about the run they've been on and, and seeing uh, Joey club won his first game of the season. 
Oh, I mean, it, it's a it's a beautiful symphony, right? You have the young guys. You got David Cruz coming up, just lighting the world on fire, beating balls out, hit to first, which is just my favorite part about that clip was watching the guy's reaction in the dugout. Right. I was just like, <laughs> what just happened? Um, but you you know you have a group of young guys, homegrown guys, or you know the Reds gave them a shot. You know, anytime you have young guys that have a chance to make a name in the big leagues together, that's when you have something special. And then you sprinkle in Jovo who, you know, is a franchise guy, is the franchise, and gets it, and is one of the best, most aware, nicest teammates I've ever played with, and not to mention just one heck of a baseball player. So to see him come back last night, like, that's that's goosebump type stuff. That's, you know, again, stuff you can't script because it would be too hokey for a movie. Um, but that's what makes the game beautiful, and I think that's the spark, you know, to really – you know, again, add to that trajectory. Um, go to the Mars at this point. You know, it's it's pretty pretty fun to see because I've been on the other side of it. You know, I right. think I see a lot of parallels to 2012 in DC, where yeah, the expectations weren't necessarily there, but you know, that's when special things happen. And then you see the stats with them coming from behind late in games. That once you get that as part of your bit, your resume, that's always in the back of guys' heads when you're playing. Like, oh, man, are they, they're not going to do it to us. So then you start combating that concept more than playing, right, instead of just pitching and get the guy out. Um, you're like, oh, we're not going to let them get us this time. That's, you know, the fact that they've been able to do it to other people, that's that's a pretty good thing to have as part of your reputation. I think 16 one-run one run wins for the Reds so far, and over 60% of their wins have been in games that they have trailed. Some of the things that uh, Drew has been talking about. Thought of you uh, when I was calling a baseball game. I had a chance to go to a couple of Indiana State games this year. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, my partner looks at me, and there's two outs. The first two guys have struck out, and he throws seven fingers. And I go, it's about a half a second. I go, they haven't touched a ball yet this inning. But I didn't say that. It was kind of me figuring that. And I go, there's an A strike. And so I got to call an immaculate inning. You had a chance to pitch one in your last year with the Reds. Um, what what was that like for you back in 2017? <laughs> that is, that's, that's the bullpen perfect game right there. Um, it was something I remember talking about one of my first couple of years in the big leagues. And the day we talked about it, I was eight for nine. So I almost had it on the same day we talked about it. And it was always the elusive, you know, thing. So, you know, by the time I got to Cincy, my stuff wasn't nearly what it was at the beginning of my career. And I remember that game because I got the first two guys and I'm like, man, I have a chance. And, and when I did it, I, I high five tuck and I said, now I can retire. You know, that was, that was, that was, I was like, I did it. I did it, man. Like, that's incredible. Um, you know, just one of those fun feats, you know, you, and especially to be able to throw it to him. Right. Uh, that, between that and and that, it was the same ball the entire time. They never made contact. Those are my two cents, two, my two bonus points that, that really mean a lot to me when it comes to having one of those. And like I said, I was never a starter, so I never had a chance to do anything cool as a starter. So it, it might as well do it from the bullpen. All right. In the time when, when I kind of got this text chain going with your dad to get you on the show, uh, in between that and today, a good friend of both of ours has announced he is hanging him up. Pat O'Neill is retiring as the head coach at Danville. He was your head coach at, at, at Brownsburg High School. Um, just kind of the role that, that he played in your development as a high school player. Absolutely. I mean, you can tell he's he's has hands in so many careers and, you know, quite the resume as a coach. And I think the big thing that I learned from him was he treated us like professionals. You know, he let the, the veterans, you know, the Lances of the world kind of run the team. And, you know, he took care. He stayed out of the way. You know, that's there's an art to that. And just knowing this is the kind of team I have, 
And then, you know, years past when we weren't, or after that, we weren't as strong. So then there was a little bit more work that went into it. So he was always had a good pulse on what kind of team he had. And, you know, that the results don't lie. How often do you keep in touch with Lance and Tucker at this point? I usually don't bother him during the season. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I'll, I'll talk to Tuck every once in a while. Um, but, you know, I, I try to stay out of the way because I know how that goes. And, and it's amazing now how different my schedule is compared to what a baseball schedule is. Uh, it's True. quite the opposite. So uh, those those early morning texts that I'll send to people that I'm like, oh, yeah, here's something I'm really thinking of. I know I can't fly with him because <laughs> I don't want to be hitting the mid, mid-rim cycle. Understood. Um, you, uh, of the many things that you pull from from your dad, uh, you know, the, the ability to tackle a project like this Field of Dreams is one of them. What's the latest woodworking project your dad is working on? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. I think his house is, like, beyond perfect at this of point. Of course it is. Um, it always has yeah. been. That's your dad. That's just the way he's wired. Yeah, I'm hoping he kind of lays low because I, I should be wrapping up our, our new house here in the, you know next early next year. So I'm going to make sure that he's got enough in the tank to come up <laughs> and you know do his thing. So I'm, I'm trying to I'm hoping he takes a little break from it. You need his creative design work for that. So you don't want to make sure that oh, yeah. none of the good stuff is is waste his own place. Yeah, fortunate to be Facebook friends with uh, with with Drew's dad, Mark. And again, uh, Mark has passed the time after his radio and television days by basically. He should have his own show on HGTV. Someone has to have convinced him of this at some point, right? Yeah, I've kind of shocked that you know he hasn't done that. But I think that's part of the beauty that that he likes. And honestly, it's probably similar to me that there's an art to doing something when nobody's watching, right? <laughs> and then having somebody see it once it's done, versus having somebody you know being in real time. Um, so I, I think that's probably why he probably hasn't gone that route, but I agree with you. Um, and he always jokes that he lo- he would love to have the HGTV show because the dissolve feature is the best tool in the tool belt because <laughs> all of a sudden the dissolve comes up and then the thing is done. Um, so I, I, I think his production would certainly go up. Understood. All right, before we let you go, let's plug one more time. Uh, Big Red Liquors, Brownsburg, your signing bottles. One more time, explain it. Yep, Friday, 4 to 5, the new location there off 136, uh, 136 there in Northfield. Um, it's, uh, yeah, 4 to 5, I'll be signing the bottles. Um, like I said, hopefully we can have a lot of people like last time and get your bottle signed. That sounds good, my friend. I am so happy for you that, that life after baseball is going well. And, uh, and I can't make Fridays, but the next time you're doing a signing, I'll be there, I guarantee it. I appreciate it, Ray. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, be good, buddy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sometimes I'll forget to have a production meeting with me before the show or even during the commercial break. I meant to tell you, before you get to Pirac on the show, can you queue up some Jason Isbell as far as a, a return message is concerned or return music is concerned? Since he and Zach Austin were broing it up at the show in the last few days, thought that might be the way to go. How was the concert, Dustin? It was fantastic. Uh, he's absolutely awesome every time. Played a lot of the new record. Weather Range is really, really, really good. So anybody out there that's an Isbell fan, if you don't have it yet, you need to pick it up or you need to stream it or whatever it's fantastic so it's like half of that then you know some of the old classics he was 
phenomenal, which she always is. So, and even Osterman's company didn't ruin it for you? <laughs> Somehow not. <laughs> for, the, for, for those that don't no, know, uh, these two guys are like an old married couple. They are literally Stadler and Waldorf. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember being at an IU baseball game uh, right right as they were getting good, like 2013 is going to go to the College World Series. And those are my mm-hmm. days of writing things at 1070thefan.com. And I think I was as entertained by watching you two bicker each other as I was actually <laughs> watching the game that night. Sounds about right. Yeah. That was at our peak, too, because we were like <laughs> that year, 2013, when it was that, that was the year I went to the Sweet 16 and in basketball, and then we had baseball right after that. I mean, I think we probably spent like 75% of our free moments together. That was, or, or, or really all of our waking hours, to be honest. So that was the height of, of the Pirac, Osterman, Victorin, because it, it was a daily situation. So, has, has, now, has he brought you to the dark side? You'll never be the soccer guy that he is. I'm not sure I'm no. this, and I get paid to do this professionally. I'm not sure I'm the soccer guy that he is so he, he hasn't drug you into in, in a Premier League favorite team he, at this he point is, he has tried very hard and, and failed to be like <laughs> one time I crashed over at his place back in Bloomington and like he I don't know like uh, I crashed on his couch and there was a there, there was some kind of I think it was Liverpool Man United at like I don't know nine in the morning or something like that or, or seven in the morning and I was not even close to conscious for this and I missed it entirely I think that was when he sort of gave up and said Dustin's just never going to care and that's true I just I it's fine it's 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 a beautiful sport but I I I I just don't care. Well, luckily enough, we had you want to talk Pacers anyway, so we can leave the soccer conversation (laughs) behind. I'll skip my messy notes uh, that I had uh, laid out for you. And on to the NBA draft. Um, What do we know two and a half days out? Let's start with this. Do you think the Pacers are making the seventh selection in the draft? I mean, it's very possible they don't. I mean, I've I've seen – I do think – I, I believe the OGN and OB stuff is, is credible. I mean, I, I see no reason why you it, it, it makes sense, I think, for them to pursue it. And it definitely seems like uh, Toronto was in the position of sort of blowing it up and starting it over. So I don't, I, I don't think that's a, a talk that should be dismissed at all. And I think it makes a lot of sense for what's – considering what's on the board, I mean, if, you know, if there's obviously a good possibility that they're picking between, you know, Jairus Walker and, and Taylor Hendricks at that spot. And obviously that's two sort of defensive-minded forwards that you're sort of hoping uh, – one day can become guys that are good enough to be, you know, first team NBA all defense. So just makes as much sense to try to pursue somebody who already is first team NBA all defense and is, you know, relatively the young 26 has some Indiana ties, haven't played at IU. Sure. Uh, I, you know, it, it's sensible to pursue that. And obviously uh, it comes down to does Toronto think that offer is good enough. You know, I saw a possibility of connecting Dallas to it. And I think, you know, and bringing in Buddy Heald, which makes sense on a lot of levels because Buddy lives in Dallas uh, these days. That's where his that's where his house is, sort of in the Dallas suburbs. They went and hung out there before they played the Mavericks uh, earlier this year. Uh, you know, you would think Dallas could use um, – Another outside shooter. They don't need anybody that's going to be sort of ball dominant with with uh, Irving and, and Luca. They could use somebody to kind of play off uh, of those two, and and that makes sense to kind of space things out for those guys. Um, so that's a trade that makes sense to me. Now, obviously, there's there's going to be other pieces involved in that. Are those other teams going to have uh, better options? But I mean, I I think you got to consider it a very real possibility that, that they push for that, and I, I think that's a trade that would make sense. Will they do it? Will they pull it off? Uh, will they ultimately decide that that is in their best interest? I don't know, but. I mean, I, that, that seems like a credible, credible possibility to me, at least. Is OG Ananobi a good enough player where you say that's a good, tra- good enough trade for the seventh pick? And, and let me say this before I even let you answer it. 
I I always kind of chuckle at the way that you know va- draft picks get overvalued because you always think, well, I'm mm. I'm going to hit on every draft pick. It's it's what well sure. I do. It's 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 my job. I always laugh at the fact that Marshall Falk netted Mike Peterson and Brad Schioli. Different sport twenty five years ago, but we always mm. overvalue draft picks. And at the same time, is OG Ananobi worth the seventh pick in the draft? Yeah, I mean. The reason why I say it's possible, I mean, like you, you could talk me into it. I'm not sure, um, but like I said, if it's between Walker and Hendricks, and I think those guys are really good and they have a lot of high potential. But again, you're looking for the driving force behind both of them is defense. Uh, is, is is that they can become really good multi-positional defenders, um, and so. If, if that's really, if, you know, you have to look at who is actually going to be on the board. Now, it's possible the board shakes up. Uh, you know, you're seeing, I think, reports out there that Cam Whitmore has uh, not done all that great in his workouts and that there's a chance that the Pistons pass on him and maybe they take Walker and then you're maybe looking at Whitmore and Hendricks or it depends on what Orlando does. Uh, are you looking maybe at Whitmore and, and Osar Thompson? And, and those are a couple guys that are maybe higher ceilings that you could say, all right, but you also see the possibility of whiffing on them where I think Walker and Hendricks, I think you can trust are going to be really, really good role players. They might not ever be all stars, but because of their, uh, you know, because of their defensive capacity, they have a chance to be just really terrific role players that, that stick around for a long time as, as really, you know, top level defenders. So I guess again, you know, I, I, I at least strongly consider it. Um, because obviously I think Anobi still has room to grow and he's showing just how well he can defend multiple positions, how well he can create offense for you uh, on the defensive end. Uh, you know, he's one of the league, I think he led the league in steals this year. You have to think about it, and then they they really have to get better on defense. And you know, I think we asked uh, I asked Kevin Pritchard this after the lottery, you know, about how much he was going to focus on defense. And he said you got to realize that you know one guy as a rookie isn't going to be able to change your team very much on defense because they got to <laughs> learn how to play it at this level. Um, so you know, I mean, they were 29th, and he's saying you know, you're not going to be a great defensive team. He says we, we, if, if we could just move up to just to be a middling defensive team, uh, we can that can go a long way just because how, how good they are on offense. And I think you have a much better chance of, a, of an established guy, uh, you know, just changing your direction quickly. And, you know, I don't – obviously, they don't need to operate as if they need to win big next year. But I think it does make sense for them to say, hey, we'll get you in the playoffs. We'll get you started uh, along this track because this, this team, this group could really get there, could really use that experience and sort of get – get into that world of being a postseason team, get a better sense of what it needs to actually win at that level, but it needs to get there first. Um, so, you know, I, 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 is it worth it? I mean, it's, I, I don't, I wouldn't say for sure, but all I'm sort of saying is it's credible. I don't think it's crazy to think. Uh, are those your sources in the background, by the way? Oh yeah. Matt. <laughs> Maxine super connected uh, in, in in the NBA world. She's she's got all she's got all kinds of interest. Maxine bark twice. Right. Betrayed's coming. Maxine bark twice. Go ahead. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Okay, good. Maxine has happen. weighed on on the uh, subject. Dustin DePierre joining yeah. us. Greg Rakestraw fan midday show ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. Last time that you and I talked, right at the end of of the season, you know, the conversation was much more about all right. You know, there's there's thirteen fourteen kind of guaranteed contracts for next year already. You're not going to have that. You know, so, some pieces are, are going to be moved. Obviously, that starts to unfold next week and, and the week after, after the draft. But, you know, kind of any any more thoughts on, on you already mentioned Heald, but McConnell, Tice, one of Smith, Jackson, Duarte, 
Um, any Anything different from the last time we had this conversation in terms of most likely to be voted off the island? Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot out there as far as – or heard a whole lot out there or who's more movable. And I think as we talked before, I mean, I think you have to try to move Daniel Tice if, if somebody will take him. You have to try to, you know, put him in a package there someplace. You know, I don't know that they're ready to make a decision between Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, but I, I imagine if somebody said, I really want this guy and I'm willing to give you something uh, for him, then, you know, they'd be willing to move that. But, I mean, I, I don't think you can bring all three of them back. Um, and I think Tice is the one that makes most sense to move, obviously, because he's older, um, but and I, but I do think still think that that he's somewhat you know attractive to uh, to a team that's that has hopes. I mean, I, I think you saw him be really valuable uh, for Boston in its uh, in its finals run uh, last season, and I think he can still do all those things. I mean, I think you know, obviously they didn't get him a lot of playing time, but in the seven games he played, I thought he showed he's still the same guy. He's still the Daniel Tice uh, that you remember. I think if you're a Celtics fan, you know of, of a guy that can just, you know set some bone rattling screens, rebound defend reasonably well pass you know he's not a you know major impact dynamic player but he does what you need at that position as a backup five you know with some muscle to him so I think that's a guy that can move I mean I think um you know I, I think you know Miles is kind of one you can only move if you're going to get a massive payoff uh but Buddy I think is really attractive and I think if they're going to make any kinds of moves I think Buddy will probably be involved uh anything that really moves the needle the rest of them you know, you'll, you'll kind of see. I mean, I think they've got to be willing to uh, move each other, you know, move a Duarte, you know, McConnell, if it makes sense. Um, but, I mean, I think for some of those guys, you know, McConnell, Neesmith, um, you know, Nemhard in particular, I think you got to make sure you're getting a pretty significant uh, payoff there because, you know, it's young guys, you know, with a lot of talent in Neesmith and Nemhard's case. And, you know, McConnell, I just don't know that you're getting – anyone's going to respect uh, – him enough to pay you what you ought to get for him because I think I mean I think he still showed how much value value he still has uh, as somebody who can really do a good job of running the second unit, still get his own offense, you know, defend well, you know, get some steals in the backcourt, uh, and just provide some just veteran leadership. I mean, he's a valuable guy, and I don't know that uh, you'll get. Uh, on the dollar, what you should, I, I guess. I, I mean, I just feel for a guy with his size and everything else. I don't know that he'll he'll get you as much as uh, he can just provide to you as a player. So I mean, you know, I I would be surprised if they move him, but you know, I, I think just I, again, everybody really passed Turner on the list has to be up for consideration with any packages they're going to do. If I said the Pacers' starting lineup in mid-October would be this: uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Aaron Neesmith, Benedict Matherin, OG Ananobi, Miles Turner. Is that a realistic thought that that could happen? Yeah. Yeah, it's realistic. I mean, again, I don't know that it's certain, uh, but it's a realistic possibility. But, I mean, I think they're, they're, I think you could see some more movement beyond that. Um, and, yeah, but, I mean, I think that's real. If you have Matherin at the two, Naismith at the three, and it'll be at the four, I mean, those are pre- so pretty good wings. But one thing you don't have there is you don't have a ton of perimeter shooting, so I think they would try to add somebody else um, if, if, if indeed that means they're moving heels uh, right. and that he's no longer a part of it. Um, I think that's one thing that they're going to have to consider is make sure they've got wing shooting. Obviously, Halliburton can shoot it, um, but you need somebody who spaces the floor for him uh, and keeps the defense out of the middle of the floor uh, to allow him to operate. So I think that's really important. Uh, that gravity that Buddy creates is a big deal. So I think if they do get if they do get Ananobi and if they do move on for heel, if they do do that trade, I think they have to find somewhere else 
um, to to get a shooter. And I think, you know, obviously if they move seven, uh, I think that they're also obviously looking to move 26, 29, and 32. But if they move seven, I think they have to make sure they draft somebody uh, out of that three. Uh, use at least one of those picks and get somebody who can be a role player and preferably uh, an outside shooter at that position. Just what is Thursday night going to look like for you? <laughs> I guess I'm waiting to find out. I mean, I haven't covered a draft like this in terms of covering a team uh, directly. Um, so, you know, I've obviously covered as, as a college beat writer for years looking at, you know, is this one guy I, got, I, I cover going to go? And if so, where? Um, so, I mean, I know we're going to be uh, holed up at Gainbridge someplace. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where they're going to have us. And we'll, but, you know, we'll just be trying to keep up with everything that happens. And obviously there's a chance that something happens before then. Um, so, you know, we're going to stay on the phones. We're going to just keep checking in with as many people as we can to find out uh, what's really going on here over the next you know, 72 hours or so. All right, uh, Dustin, as always, buddy, thanks for the time. Go catch up with Maxine. I appreciate the time and the insight. <laughs> Will do. Thanks so much, Greg. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I would think this is an apropos choice of music for our next guest, that Mike Chappell has enjoyed some Bob Seger over the course of his lifetime. Is that an accurate statement, sir? Sitting here having lunch with Bob as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, buddy? Good. How about you? I'm good. Um, You got like five weeks off. What are you doing? Well, I got some uh, body maintenance going on. Got a hip surgery going tomorrow, so I'll be out of contact for about three or four weeks. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, first of all, uh, best thoughts and wishes. I do. Uh, and and, uh, and so do we see like a, a new and nimble Mike Chapel when training camp starts in about a month or so? Yeah, n- nim- nimble's uh, down the road. <laughs> I just, just want to be where I can get from point A to point B and, and not uh, a, 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 as easy as possible, I'll put it that way. Do, we, do you already have golf cart service lined up for the <laughs> arduous walk from the media center to the practice field? You know, if I did that, I would be the butt of so much ridicule. Forget from them. The, from, from the media guys that I probably wouldn't do that. But it, I, I do look sometimes for a chair to sit occasionally. Rick Venturi and I try to find a cart to sit in occasionally. But, uh, hey, you got to tough it up and, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Dude, when you've been there since 84, uh, you get that preferential treatment and and, and nobody's going to say boo about it. So, the yeah, obvious. I'll tell you, I tell you Matt, Matt Contini's guys are, are great to work with. Yep. They do what they can, but I got to, you know, at certain, you know, some level, I got to do what I can do or it's time to not do it. Understood. All right. So, with that, um, the one bit of news that we're all kind of waiting on is the Isaiah Rogers news any inclination as to a timeline when something's going to be handed down? No, it'll be a Friday at 5 o'clock. I guess the only question is what week. Uh, I didn't get on it, but there was a uh, conference call with the league, their guy and and writers across the country on on their gambling and just on what they do to, to, to deal with players. The education aspect, I mean, and I saw the like six or seven points that they give these guys, and doggone it! I, I realize there might be some confusion. You know, the teams are in bed to some extent with with, with sports books, and you got a team in Vegas. But some of these things are just so, you know, duh. You're not supposed to do these things. So uh, 
I, I, I have a real, real hard time when, when the fan base, some of the fan base says, well, maybe they didn't know. Maybe Isaiah didn't know what, well, let me see. He allegedly bet from the team complex, bet on the NFL and bet on the Colts. I mean, what, 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 what you know, part of that did you think was okay, right? Which, which probably, which not probably, which tells you the extent of, I, I guess, the addiction, the pull. I've gambled. I mean, I, you know, I, I worked with Robin Miller for a long time, so you know, <laughs> you know, and there is there is an unquestionable buzz that goes along with it. Sure. There is, and it, it's funny that at some point when I get to know Robin is he never cared about did team a win it's did they cover. And it took me a little bit of time to understand what you're talking about. Well, that's, that's what game boards care about. They don't care if your team won or not. Did they cover? So it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I hate it for the kid. He had the, the world by the tail. I mean, he was due 2.7 million this year. That's gone. If he played well, he was going to get a, a good contract, decent contract moving forward. I mean, generational financial security if you take care of things. And and now his future is, is a total blur. He, he, he I, I would assume the Colts cut him when, when things, when things uh, are resolved. And then who knows? I would anticipate at least an indefinite suspension. And indefinite is you know, that's what it means. It means you'll come back sometime, maybe. So uh, I I I hope it's resolved soon, just so that it's not lingering. But I just it, it's unfortunate that this is the news to 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 some degree locally anyway. Nationally, I think it's reported on, and then they everybody moves on to something else. But locally, this is a big deal. This is a a young kid. It's a what was he a sixth round pick a few years ago, and mm-hmm. was going has been a player, was going to probably given be given every chance to start this year, and it's just unfortunate for the team, but certainly for him. All right, so uh, literally we've had these conversations in some form, Chappie, for twenty five years. Um, the guys that that tend to be. Uh, on the street right now are there for a reason uh, i can hear you saying just another guy yeah. um but but you kind of need to have bodies at this point at that spot yeah. if you're the colt so does a move get made before training camp I, I would i would like to think so again to say that they're just guys there are guys that are more than just guys i mean you, you know uh uh deandre hopkins and, and dalvin cook there, there are guys there are really but they're out there for a reason too either too expensive or in their case or, or other guys that are either coming off injuries or whatever. I would like to see a corner signed, just a veteran guy, not, not just a body. I mean, but, but somebody that you know, the, the Mike Mitchell type guy, uh, several years ago, Mike Adams, and he ended up being a really, really good player. Now he was signed right before mini camp. If I, if I remember, uh, but bringing a guy that can, can can be a voice in the locker room. This is a very very young receiver group. Kenny Moore essentially is the only one that's played and started to any extent. The rest of them are learning. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're, we, we already expected Juju Brents to start. And keep in mind, he didn't practice. He hasn't practiced yet. 
because of that wrist surgery. And Darius Rush, he he didn't practice much at all. I think he may have gotten hurt in, in rookie minicamp. So it, it it's never ideal when a player misses off-season work, but it's really not ideal when it's a rookie and you're expecting those guys, certainly Juju Branson, I think they're expecting Darius Rush as well. But now Darius Rush is, is going to be even more more so accelerated in, in, in getting up to speed. So it, it's just unfortunate. And of all the positions, you know, excluding it being a major play, a, a, a super frontline player, cornerback is the one area they really could ill afford to have this happen. Uh, they were going to be young at that position. Now they're really going to be. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Young at that position. What are the mileposts you're looking for for Anthony Richardson this year? I, last week when I was in this chair and after you and I had the conversation that we did, um, I basically said, folks, I said, here's the ridiculously high bar that was set, not as terms of careers for Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Here's the numbers that they put together. We don't know if Anthony's going to get 17 starts. We think he's going to get the majority of 17 starts. In other words, if he's not in there and in week one, He'll be in there at some point in time sooner rather than later. What are the things that you are looking for, whether it's numbers, eye test, et cetera? What are the things you're looking for to see from him during the course of his rookie year? Just that it's not too big for him. You know, and it's crazy to say that about the fourth overall pick, but you can't get away from the fact that he's played 13 games at a high, at a high level of competition. That's not very many. Uh, and I don't – we we all made a big deal about his progress in OTAs and minicamp and, you know, charting this, that, and the other. And Kevin Bowen and George Bremer and Joel Harrison and all the star guys were doing that. But that's because that's what you do. You know, James Boyd did the same way. But but we just did that because that's what you do. We're going to see in training camp where he is. And I wrote about it a little bit yesterday. Is I think we're going to find out in training camp how – the coaching staff, how Steichen and, and Jim Bob Cooter feel. And it's one thing to kind of share reps 50-50 during the offseason. Let's see how they do in training camp. And, you know, I, I guess the more 50-50 it is, the more they really don't know what they have. If they believe that Richardson is, is possibly going to be ready to start the opener – Boy, don't you need to give him as many first-team reps as possible? Because it, it is different first-team, second-team, but it is. Because you're out there with Kelly in the offensive line, the starting offensive line, as opposed to the backup guys. So I want to see – that's what's going to tell me a lot, is how does he handle himself and does he look like he knows what he's doing? Is he improving? Is, is, we're we're going to be harping on the completion percentage until it's not an issue. You can't play the NFL completing fifty three percent of your passes. Can't do it. Right. I mean, what what what's I think Frank's standard was like sixty five percent, sixty six percent. Right. Because because this is an efficient based league where you have to keep the chains moving and occasionally strike big, but you know, in, in third down, red zone, we're going to get a better idea. Maybe not by our eye test on 
what we see and, you know, a bad throw and whatever, I think the coaching staff will tell us, you know, w- w- where he's at, Richardson, by, by again, his, his exposure with the first group. And if we're three weeks into training camp and it's still 50-50 or whatever, then then what makes us think over the, over the next two weeks he's going to take that big jump? So I, I, I've said that I thought as long as – I thought the decision would be up to whether – if Richardson has to prove he's not ready to start. Right. And, yep. and if that's the case, you don't throw him out there. But, boy, if, if he's doing what you want, if he's running things, yeah, he's missing passes. But if he's, if he's got a grasp on the offense, if he can get in the right protections – and avoid the really bad plays. I don't see the downside to, to, to starting him. I mean, it, it, this is going to be a tough year anyway, as far as record. You know, I, I guess saw Vegas at, at six and a half. That's a pretty good number because I, I think that's about what I expect from him. But but look at that schedule, and you know, it, it's the AFC South and it's the NFC South, and that, those are two bad divisions. They just are. And I think this division, or the, the schedule is, is well, I think it's just the fourth easiest in the league with, compared, you know, with last year's record. And there are some winnable games, although, you know, at the same time, the teams they're playing, see Indy has a winnable game. So uh, we're going to see how, how, I guess, strong the overall roster is, because I think there are some winnable games. As bad as things were, I mentioned, as bad as things were last year, all the chaos and all that, they should have won seven or eight games without even batting an eye and without changing anything. Right. So if they can just get solid play, winnable play at, at quarterback, nothing, nothing, thirty touchdowns and ten interceptions or something like that, but just make the plays and do things you should do and add something to the run game, then I, I think it could be pretty good. But it's just going to be: do they think that Richardson is ready enough? Because you know, Minshew's going to be more ready to start. How can he not be? But but is Richardson far enough along that you don't have veterans saying, what in the hell is he doing out there? <laughs> right. Because he's not – because, you know, players know. Players know whoever's out there and isn't out there. So I'm really curious at training camp is, you know, how are they, treat, how are they handling this kid rep-wise? And, and if it's 50-50 most of the training camp, then to me it leans towards Minshew, but but if at some point the rookie is getting more of the reps, it tells me that they, they believe he's far enough along to really accelerate his progress and to have some, to perhaps start in that September opener. Again, Mike Chapel, CBS Four, Fox Fifty Nine, the Dean, joining us here on the Fan Midday Show. Greg Rakestraw, your host today, ninety three five and one zero seven five, the Fan. If I just throw out Braden Smith. Shaquille Leonard, Quentin Nelson, it would not take you long to figure out that not just draft picks in 2018, but guys that also got extensions right before camp began over the course of the last couple of years. Um, Is Jonathan Taylor going to join that club in a month, or does this get drawn out till midseason, offseason, et cetera? I hope it's not offseason because then, then maybe his price goes, if he has a good year, his price goes up because he sees free agency right there. I, I tend to think it gets done. And, and we did, you know, we all talked to JT last week and we all wrote about it. And he, he, he's in such a bad situation because, because the, the position is devalued. It is. 
right or wrong it is, you know, with, with I, I, I looked at all the guys who were given the extensions and, and haven't haven't played through the extension with Elliott and, and even McCaffrey. People forget McCaffrey was given the monster extension, and for two years he, he couldn't he didn't play. He played like ten games. So I, I think it gets done. I tend to think it'll be a shorter thing. Uh, the, the, the Nick, I, I keep going back to the Nick Chubb extension was like three years, thirty six point six million. Yeah. Twenty million guaranteed. I think it'll be more than that. And he's, I, I think he, he, he has more value to the team than Chubb does with Cleveland. And Chubb's really valuable. So I think it gets done. It makes sense. You've got a young quarterback, and I realize you can make Taylor play. You know, if, if they wanted to just play really hardball, you make him play on his 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 base salaries like four million, I think, this year. If he wanted to be really really hardball. And you, you franchise him for two years. But the message that sends to the rest of your team is not good. So I think they get something done. Three years feels right. I mean, longer than that, you know, Edwin Adrian, Adrian James didn't get a second contract from these guys. You know, he had, he had a longer rookie contract. So I, I think three years works. And maybe it's really two years on, on real money. And then after the third or in the third year, you kind of reevaluate. But it needs to get done because he's one year own. He's 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 played well, led the league in rushing, and had the best season by any Colts running back. I mean, he did. So I think it gets done. Hopefully, before training camp, so that it's not that distraction. Michael Pittman. It's funny how we we never mentioned Michael Pittman. Right. He's up. He's up too. And to me, his is more more interesting because he's a receiver. Is he a one? Is he a two? And receivers get a ton more money than running backs do. So that's going to be more interesting. We need to get JT done. Before we let you go, and you just kind of touched on it going from JT to Pittman. When you have a brand-new quarterback, then you have a gambling story. Uh, there's only so much airtime, media time available to talk about you know, different discussions, issues to fix, question marks, et cetera. But if we look back at the way last year played out, one of the first things we would do would say the offensive line was nowhere near good enough. Yep. And it's the same five dudes that finished the year. They're going to be the one that, that, that are, that are you know, the day one starters in training camp and knock on wood, they're the day one starters come the second week into September as well. We'll have a better answer of this in July and August. I acknowledge that. But what tells you they will be better in 2023 than they were in 2022? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, well, blind faith, blind trust, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't it, – it's hard for me to to remember or imagine an offseason where one area was so deficient and so impactful on your team and all you added personnel-wise – was what's Freeland a fourth round pick? Yeah, and, and Jake Wood a seventh round right, pick. Right, right, fourth then, pick on down. Yep, correct. Yep, and then, that's it. That's it. So what it tells me is they really, really trust Tony Sperano Jr. and they and they put a lot of blame on Chris Strasser. How else do you read it? I don't know how else you read it. Uh, it. It's just it's it was strange that. You know, we all question going with, with Matt Pryor and, and left tackle and 
and guess who was right guard last year? Uh, Danny Pinner. Yeah. Without competition. And and it didn't work two years in a row. Left tackle didn't work. And now you're you're really expecting Bernhard Ryman to, to, to step up. And I thought he played pretty well at the last, I don't know, quarter of the year. But to, to have to have nothing free agent-wise and, and veteran-wise to come in and I don't want to say like insurance, but but really serious competition at, at both positions. And by the way, you're expecting your three cornerstone players to to, ha- to have bounce back seasons. It's just it's just risky in my mind. I kept expecting them to sign a veteran lineman. I, I guess a swing tackle. I don't know. I, I always kind of figure if you if you had your two tackle spots pretty well decided in. in, in you, you like those guys? You, you can find guards, and I don't. I don't want to get all the hate from guards, but that's that's the Howard Mudd theory, which I tend to. I got I got kind of experienced on. So I, I mean, how do you go into the season saying, yeah, they're going to be better? Well, based on what? The only thing that they, the only thing that changed was the line coach. So they have to really believe that the coaching they were getting wasn't near good enough. Yet they stuck with it all year. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, and, and again, if they don't, then what do you got? Because of all the things that went wrong last year, it's all trace of the offensive line. It, it is all. It all was. You know, pass protection, run blocking wasn't good enough. And if you can't pass protect with a with an immobile quarterback like Ryan, you have no chance. Uh, you know, at least you know the, the young kid can move around. But I don't want my young quarterback running for his life for crying out loud. So it needs to be better. I hope it's better, but based on hope, I don't know where you say, yeah, it's going to be better because because what? On that fu- warm and fuzzy note, hey, good, good luck with hip surgery tomorrow. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You take care of yourself, buddy. If you uh, need something else, please let me know. Will do. Talk to you guys next week. You got it, buddy. Mike Chappell. So he's out of action in terms of like being up and mobile, but he's not out of action in terms of hanging with us. That's good to know.